0: Hello and welcome to In Conversation With, the monthly podcast series brought to you by the team at Global Cosmetics News. In this month's episode, we will discuss how to rethink sustainable beauty by breaking down the social, digital, environmental and governmental drivers accelerating the need for real innovation across the supply chain and beyond. But before we discuss what is possible now, it's my pleasure to introduce our guest, Hello to Mallory Huron, beauty editor at Fashion Snoops, a global trend forecasting agency that advises companies on how to leverage cultural shifts to better execute their business strategies. Hello also to Samir Lakhani, founder of EcoSoap Bank, a global humanitarian and environmental nonprofit organization which employs nearly 160 economically disadvantaged women in 10 countries to recycle and redistribute leftover soap in an effort to combat disease and save lives. And hello also to Joe Chidley, founder of Beauty Kitchen, a UK-based indie brand who are on a mission to create the most effective, natural and sustainable beauty products in the world. 2020 asked us all to rethink the way we live our lives. For the cosmetics industry, people, product planet became the mantra Greenwashing the expose sustainability the direction mallory in 2021 what are the social drivers propelling the sustainable beauty movement forward
1: well i think that consumers are really asking more from the products they use and the brands they support in terms of a sustainability commitment We're seeing eco-conscious consumers morph into eco-committed consumers, who are really committing their dollars and their intentions to brands they feel are making a difference. Awareness and education are certainly driving this trend, not only in terms of the environmental perils we face, but specifically in terms of how beauty products are made, how beauty brands operate, and the significant contribution beauty products make to global pollution. Also, anonymous social media consumer watchdogs like Estee Laundry, confessional and informative TikTok videos, and brand insiders are helping to inform consumers about excess packaging, how brands sometimes mislead consumers in terms of sustainability action, and also how to change their personal habits to align with eco-friendly principles. So I see a really tapping into how to enact real action and how to change one's own habits, to become a more sustainable uh, consumer going into 2021.
0: And for your organization, Samir, what are the social drivers propelling the sustainability beauty movement forward?
2: In terms of what drives our impact, if I may very briefly just go over our particular uh, model, which is we employ economically disadvantaged and disabled women um, all across the world. Currently, we're employing 160 women in the developing world to recycle leftover soap from factories and manufacturers. We can conservatively estimate that 250 million bars of soap and equivalent waste are thrown away each and every year. And we're very happy to say that um, we are able to, as of last week, we have recycled and redistributed enough soap to over 4 million children in schools in countries like Sierra Leone, in Tanzania, in Cambodia, in Nepal, especially important now given the COVID-19 pandemic. So to your question, three main things drive our impact each and every day. First and foremost, there is a loud scream of waste um, it, by manufacturers and supply chains, which we would like to eliminate over the next couple of years. Secondly, there is a huge unemployment burden in the developing world. And by employing women at good, gainful wages, we can make a lasting economic impact and not just make handouts in Africa and Asia like like uh, we have been doing uh, in the past. And then lastly, the public health impact is absolutely important. I'll share with you one quick data point, which is at the top of the pandemic, at the height of the, at the start of the pandemic in Sierra Leone, there was only a single available ventilator there to serve 10 million people. By providing life-saving soap, we can keep people out of hospitals and healthy and happy.
3: And your business, Joe. what are the social drivers propelling it forward? Following on um, really from Samir, I think he is talking about people. He's talking about planet. And although his business is a non-profit, our business is for profit, but it's a B Corp certified business and the world is changing, and we have to embrace that change positively. So if I just read a a quick quote from the UN, so they are talking about persistent poverty, growing inequalities, shrinking environmental limits, and market volatility threaten the social and economic gains made since the turn of the millennium. We are really a growing global consciousness Of consumers, which adds to Mallory's point. And and this isn't going to change. We're going to reach 8 billion very soon. We know we have limited resources, but even if we consume these at a slower rate, it just postpones the inevitable. And that's where products must be designed in the right way to be able to use rapidly renewable resources, but also keep other resources and that can be waste in closed cycles. Uh, And that's what makes me passionate about the beauty industry in particular, because human beings are the most creative animals in the world. We also create lots of problems, but we are so great at leading up to the challenge, facing into it, and joining together. And what I have seen in my time in the beauty industry is this coming together of different companies, of different countries and different cultures, because we know the only way to make real change and big impact is to work together and work transparently. Beauty Kitchen's example of that is that we have used cradle to cradle principles. If people haven't heard of that, what that really means is there's no such thing as waste. Everything is kept in the circular economy and is kept in a loop of reuse or renewables and all of beauty kitchens products are in reusable packaging and what we want is to have a reuse revolution to ensure that there is no waste particularly in packaging because formulations at the moment are at the height of what they can be and there's still work to do but formulations within the beauty industry are very very focused on ensuring there's no waste a lot of the waste comes from packaging.
0: And talking about taking changes, Mallory, at Fashion Snoops, what are the digital drivers that are aiding this ability to change?
1: Well, I think that technology is really proving itself as a catalyst, not a hindrance to sustainable change within the beauty space. Recently at the Consumer Electronics Show, L'Oreal unveiled its water saver system, which works to reduce water waste in salon settings. A simple problem, but it causes a great amount of water waste. And just this one technological solution has proven to be promising to change the uh, output of many uh, beauty salons. We've also seen a bevy of apps that help keep consumers accountable for and aware of their impact um, upon the environment. Tree Points recently launched, which actually earns consumers spendable retail points for offsetting their emissions. And in addition to that, we've seen social media and gaming communities become huge platforms for inspiring change. Animal Crossing in particular, which was a huge deal throughout the entire pandemic in terms of coming together, has become a massive opportunity for interactive education. A Tokyo elementary school recently used Animal Crossing's floating city to increase awareness for environmental issues and teach students about sustainable development goals, which is a pretty, pretty big use for um, a, a game that, you know, you create your own island. But really, when you think about it, digital systems and technology is showing us that we can expand our minds and think about sustainable solutions in a new way.
0: And for your organization, Samir, how is digital driving your business forward?
2: We pride ourselves to be um, as on the ground and culturally relevant as we can be. Um, A lot of, and a core principle of our organization is the importance of hygiene education. Um, No soap is distributed through our nonprofits program without culturally relevant hygiene education. And culturally relevant can mean different things in different places we have partnered up with great INGOs um, such as World Vision and other groups who are uh, uh, making forays into hygiene education in a digital sense by utilizing um, amazing brands such as Sesame Street to do so, but in other places that are more historic, um, if you will. interpersonal hygiene education, uh, teaching the teacher's approach is still the most culturally relevant and appropriate. I'll just share with you one one last example. Um, In a country like Liberia in West Africa, um, uh, a recent World Bank survey showcased that only 1.2% of households had a bar of soap in the home. Um, If I showed up in Liberia and started talking to mothers um, about their child's health, diarrhea, and other preventable diseases that we frankly take for granted in the West, I would be very quickly shooed away. Um, And therefore our point is this, change must come from people who look like the people they're serving and whatever format that comes in.
0: And for your business, Joe,
3: how is digital helping you with the circular economy? So digital for us plays a big part. And, and actually both Malory and Samir have, have touched on this. We want to be able to engage with cultures across the world but you also want to engage with a wide range of age groups. And the great thing about gamification or apps is that they are very intuitive and it doesn't matter what age group you're in, it's easy to then engage with that. The reason why I focus in on this particular area is, Packaging is big for us to keep that within the loop. We want people to return their packaging. And the way for us to be able to do that is to engage with our customers through an app format, which means that they can follow the life cycle of their packaging from it being manufactured, whether that is in Spain or whether that is in France or the UK, through to it being filled Um, at our manufacturing site, through to it being sent out, either direct to the consumer or through to one of our retail partners, through to when the customer has finished it and they are sending it back to us and the bottle washing protocol that it has to go through. The other aspect of digital for me as well, is for us to then be able to engage our return refill repeat programme with much uh, bigger players in the market. So although Beauty Kitchen is the first customer to return, refill, repeat in terms of packaging, our second customer is Unilever. Um, And our third customer could be a smaller indie brand because we want return, refill, repeat to be available to anyone that wants to be able to use reusable packaging at an affordable cost. So the digital drivers that play a part is not just engaging with the consumer, but it's technically how do we keep track of those pieces of packaging?
0: And Mallory, what are the most critical environmental factors that are deterring the sustainability beauty movement's growth in 2021? And how do we address them?
1: Well, I think it's hard to gauge, first of all, the full impact that the COVID-19 pandemic has had on environmental progress, specifically for the beauty space where um, sanitation and cleanliness has become such a huge trend, Um, but it's resulted in a huge amount of single-use plastic waste. That said, once we're able to move past COVID-19 as a global society, there's the promise of a green recovery, which is a word I've heard for the past you know, nine months ad nauseum. But the theory of using green technology and more sustainable practices to duly address COVID recovery and environmental rehabilitation has shown a huge amount of promise. Within Beauty, the concept of a green recovery um, we've been following the indie revolution with great interest as smaller brands are some of the key drivers of environmental change within the sustainability space. And also, as just another point, the environment itself is impacting real consumer awareness. Seasons are more extreme, the sun is stronger, humidity is more intense. So it's no coincidence, for example, that we're seeing sun care uh, brands booming. But is the answer 10 more products and a dozen more sun care brands? or is the answer to recognize the root of the problem? We're seeing a definite shift towards the latter in terms of eschewing the relentless rollout of products and addressing the real root causes of why the sun is stronger, why we're seeing such a need for more better sun care products. In this case, it's the many environmental challenges that we face.
0: And for your organization, Samir, environmental is part of its very core. How are you addressing the new challenges?
2: Thank you for that question. I think with regards to sourcing um, and commodities, I definitely think uh, Joe and Mallory can comment better than I. I will say this, however, with regards to palm oil sourcing, the vast majority of the waste soap that we collect, and it's in very, very large volumes uh, with a dozen manufacturers and noodle makers uh, across the world, um, it's almost exclusively and entirely palm oil-based products. And we all know about uh, the, um, the issues surrounding that particular uh, commodity type. And I feel very privileged and positive that we are able to do our part to ensure that that waste, um, those tens of thousands of metric tons of palm oil, uh, soap waste um, can be recycled and redistributed into hands of people that need it um, And I feel I feel very very good about that. I also want to say um, from a Humanitarian assistance point of view we are not we are part of our own advocacy as well and changing the way we think about how we do humanitarian assistance we pride ourselves in our um, upcycled uh, packaging. Um, uh, Our soap is packaged in bulk, it's naked, Um, but what we do in, in each of the municipalities that we recycle in, which is in 10 countries around the world, we have instituted a cardboard box um, recycling program where there is no other infrastructure in Freetown, Sierra Leone or Siem Reap, Cambodia. And so our soap is uh, packaged in um, reused cardboard boxes, often from discarded beer or soda boxes. And furthermore, um, it is all tied together with string pulled from burlap bags Um, that also has no collection infrastructure. The point is this, guys. When we distribute bars of soap to a school that has never seen that product type before, every atom by which they will hold in their hands is either recycled or upcycled. And that is our proud statement to our sector, which is the humanitarian sector.
0: And for your business, Joe, what are the most critical environmental factors deterring its growth? and how are
3: you addressing them so the main one within the natural beauty space is, is natural resources and what i mean by that is you know your everyday ingredients and the guys have already you know previously alluded to that whether it's palm oil or other ingredients, these will eventually become in short supply. And we have to think as scientists, so my background is a chemistry, I'm a formulations chemist. I have to think about the ingredients that we have in our products. What are the right ones to use? Um, and what we try to do, well not try actually, what we do is we use ingredients that are from renewable resources. If I take Abyssinian oil as an example, it's a crop that can be grown around fields. It's a cash crop. It can be grown almost anywhere in the world, not really Scotland, but it can be grown in the South <laughs> Of England. Yeah. Um, and this crop has a very short growing season. Yeah, and the active ingredient of Abyssinian oil, it is either just as good or better than jojoba oil or argan oil. So the question to the industry from us is why wouldn't you use Abyssinian oil rather than other oils that are coming from, you know, possibly unsustainable. Um, for the future unsustainable places it's this it's this slow change and the cost of slow change that really gets me both very happy and very frustrated and angry at the same time because we have to make sure that the larger companies and that's what indie brands are there for we're here to demonstrate how things can be done in a more thoughtful caring manner but that are still commercially viable
0: and talking change, Mallory, what are the governmental drivers aiding or abetting the sustainability movement's advancements in 2021?
1: Well, just in keeping with what Joe just said about the aspect of slow change being very encouraging and also extremely frustrating at the same time, we're seeing a bit of this two steps forward, one step forward, two steps back um, governmental change. Uh, for example, in the U.S., For the past four years, we've seen a rollback of sustainability initiatives and environmental policies by the Trump administration. With the new Biden administration, we're already beginning to see a reversal of some of that policy, most notably by rejoining the Paris Climate Accord. But there are also some questions about um, some key players within the Biden administration and what their true intentions for sustainability are. So one thing good, a couple things bad. Um, movements like anti-animal testing and vegan beauty are encouragingly becoming more mainstream in markets like Korea, signaling a shift in consumer priorities. And China is also beginning to loosen its requirements for animal testing for imported cosmetics, recently allowing France to export cosmetics without the animal testing requirement. But of course, both China and Korea continue to test on animals. So again, some good change, but also some lasting change that needs to be made. And you know the US is also slowly but surely catching up to stricter EU, EU sustainability regulations the, the state of california recently passed the toxic free cosmetics act which is a wonderful act that will take effect in january 2025 banning 24 toxic ingredients which is great but these 24 ingredients have already been banned for some time by the european union and this is just an act that applies to california so again it's that frustrating you know wheel of change where it's you know seeing some encouraging progress on the governmental uh, level but also not nearly enough
0: And for EcoSoap, Samir, what are the challenges, the governmental challenges driving the industry forward?
2: While our recycling exists in 10 countries around the world, our impact expands to 20 developing countries, including um, volatile uh, regions of the world. Um, We've take very seriously our redistributions in um, Syria, Afghanistan, Lebanon, and Greece, where an informal um, refugee settlement and population um, requires um, desperate assistance. Working in those uh, regions of the world is trying, um, certainly. However, in terms of a a, a request and, and wish is that, I would really like to see accountability um, uh, established in some format for manufacturers uh, to require uh, um, waste stream uh, management, particularly the recycling of our niche product, which is bar soap. If that is not held accountable, I don't know what other drivers can. And we are here and ready to work with any manufacturer globally to ensure that no soap is wasted and so that we can save as many lives as we can.
0: And post-Brexit, what are the challenges for Beauty Kitchen,
3: Joe? I knew someone would mention the Brexit word. Um, So the challenges that come with that is... From a regulation perspective, we now have to, um, if we want to sell our products outside of the UK and into the EU, we have to have regulations and adhere to the EU regulations. But because the UK is now out of Europe, we have UK regulations. Now, at the moment, there isn't much disparity. It's just a bit of an administrative um, and bureaucracy that sits around that, which each company has to take on board the big news for me that again i am very excited about even though it's going to be slow change is the the change in regulation for microplastics not just within personal care but it will actually be in many other industries across europe and this is 500 microplastics generally most of the molecular level rather than plastics that you can physically see but they they are part of a lot of formulations from sunscreens to detergents through to your skincare and moisturiser. Beauty Kitchen has never, ever been involved in using microplastics as part of its formulation. So we can demonstrate how other companies can make that change. But those changes are going to take place between six and 10 years time. Um, and that is the, the challenge for me. You know, we already know that we shouldn't be polluting either our bodies or the environment with microplastics. And yet regulation is going to take at least six to 10 years to make sure that companies don't use microplastics in their products. And lastly, Joe,
0: what should could the sustainability beauty movement look like in 12
3: months time? I would, the utopian dream for me is for all products to be designed through the cradle to cradle principles. That means that we would have reusable, refillable or naked products that are available to everyone. And that's really my utopian dream that I will strive for, not just in the next 12 months, but forever. And for you,
0: Samir,
2: Our message is, is quite simple um, today. First and foremost, if you represent a manufacturer globally and there is waste in during your process, please reach out such that we can recycle these products and get them into the hands of those who need it secondly for brands that have ambitious zero waste goals and convictions like joe's at beauty kitchen um, brands can also get involved in the fight for equitable global hygiene and to ensure that no child suffers because there wasn't hygiene available please reach out to explore an opportunity for us to integrate alongside your brand and to ensure that through every purchase, good can be done through EcoSoap Bank uh, and for someone in need in the developing world.
0: And Mallory, how do you see the next 12 months rolling out? Well, I
1: I do share in Joe's utopian dream. Um, What should it look like? Uh, What should the sustainability movement look like? Certainly radical transparency, consumers calling out inauthentic brands, and large corporations making serious, actionable commitments to revamp harmful processes. Unfortunately, the gap between uh, should and could here is quite vast. So in terms of what I think it could look like, I think that throughout the year, we're going to continue to see growth across several key trends we've been tracking. A greater call for brand transparency. Transparency is gonna continue to be huge beauty conglomerates stepping up to mitigate the effects of their damage, Um, uh, in particular Unilever, who while having many great sustainability efforts, was recently called out as one of the biggest polluters worldwide, and consumers becoming more empowered to radically edit their lifestyles to become sustainable. We're seeing a real questioning of the need of products and when we use products, being very intentional about what they are. Sheet masks, for example, are becoming the plastic straws of skincare I read in a recent article and going back to a previous point i made just getting down to the root of problems and addressing them from the ground up
0: and with that i would like to thank my guests mallory joe and samir and for t- for taking part today and to you for listening